This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater's America's Greatest Country in the World. Thanks for being here. I hope you had a, uh, a good National No Women Day the other day. Was it Tuesday? Or Get Rid of Women Day or whatever it was called. Can you imagine if a, uh, if a man came up with this idea? Right? It could just, it's the same thing, just flip it around. Like imagine if men sat around and they're like, man, can we just have one day? Where there's no women around here. Oh, but just one? All I want is one. That would not that would never be allowed. But when women are like, we're not going to work. It's some great feminist achievement or something like that. Anyway, uh, who cares? What I want to share with you is I think awesome. I think I think this is one of the coolest things I've I've seen all year. And it's a it's a beautiful way of combining so many things that we've talked about these last uh, I don't know, two years maybe of the election. And a bunch of people sent me this story and I'm super grateful for it. So uh, a poli, a poli sci and econ professor had the idea to reenact the first presidential debate between President Trump and Hillary Clinton. Right? Reenact the debate. Word for word, gesture for gesture, every facial expression, hand gesture, pacing, tone, everything exactly replicated by two actors, but here's the, the spin. Here's the twist. A woman actress playing the part of Donald Trump and a male actor playing the part of Hillary Clinton. So everything's the exact same except switch the genders of each candidate. Awesome. Why? Why do this? Well, her assumption, okay, so the, the director of the play uh, is a uh, progressive who supports Hillary Clinton, hates Donald Trump, right? Her assumption was that Trump won because he was so rude and he was aggressive and all of his interruptions and everything. And that's why Trump won. Uh, but no way would that have worked if Trump were a woman. No way. No way would a woman be able to get away with what Trump did. And Hillary, she lost, obviously because of sexism in America, right? And, and people were critical of her because she's a woman. But clearly, if she was a man, if Hillary Clinton was a man saying the exact same things that she said, then everyone would like her. They only hate her because she's a woman. So she's like, all right, that's my thesis. So I'm going to prove that by switching the roles, right? So she thought uh, 
that people would love the male Hillary Clinton and and equally hate the uh, the woman Trump, right? So uh, the prof- professor reached out to uh, another professor who specializes in ethnodrama, which is where you take like text of uh, what would be an example, like um, like the like like Lois and Clark's um, like guidebook or, or their like their notebook, their journal, right? And it's it's when you act out a journal, basically. Um, so in here, they're, they're acting out the text of the debate, and I can't express literally exact reenactment, body language, pacing, everything precise, spot on. When they rehearsed, they rehearsed to the point where they could put a TV screen behind them. And the director would watch the rehearsals and, and see how spot on the actors were in every single thing that they did uh, compared to how it happened in real life, of course, except for the genders reversed. So they performed this play in front of two audiences. And each time they gave uh, everyone a questionnaire to fill out before and then another questionnaire after. And they had an open mic Q&A after as well, which we're going to talk about. But I want to slow down the thesis here because this can get confusing. I know this is kind of hard to explain over the radio. Just it's weird, but hard to imagine. But what do you think would happen? See, this question is not even worth asking to conservatives because let me flip it around. Really just analyze from a progressive's perspective. Now, let me do this. Let me do this. I'm sorry. Let's do it from a conservative. What do you think would happen if you saw female Trump? All right. So everything Donald Trump did, Every single way, every exactly except he was a woman. What would you think of the female Donald Trump? I don't think I would think much different. I'll be honest. I don't. I, I wouldn't think much different at all. We, we've talked. Uh, I don't think we've done it on this show, but we've talked about comparisons between Donald Trump and Margaret Thatcher before, right? So, and there's plenty of female politicians that conservatives like. So I don't think it would be a big deal. Now, what would you think of a male Hillary Clinton? Same. I don't, like, I, I don't see much difference. But from a progressive, can you see how they would think this would work? Right? Do you see the difference from a progressive? Because progressives, they're, they're, they're angry, right? Because they lost the election. So they're looking for reasons why. And they're like, oh, it's sexism. Right? Hillary lost because she's a woman. And if she was a man, then everyone would love her. Right? So they perform the play. Can I quote from the director? We both thought, as the director and like the producers and stuff, we both thought that the inversion would confirm our liberal assumption that no one would have accepted Trump's behavior from a woman and that the male Clinton would seem like the much stronger candidate. But we kept checking in with each other and realized that this disruption was happening. I had an unsettled feeling the whole way through. We heard a lot of, oh, Now I understand how this happened. Meaning how Trump won the election. People got upset. There was a guy two rows in front of me who was literally holding his head in his hands and the person with him was rubbing his back. The simplicity of Trump's message became easier for people to hear when it was coming from a woman. One person said, I'm just so struck by how precise Trump's technique is. Another, a musical theater composer actually, said that Trump created hummable lyrics while Clinton just talked a lot, but there was no hook to it. 
Another theme was about not liking either candidate. Uh, Someone said that John, uh, the, the male Hillary Clinton, someone said that the male Hillary Clinton was, quote, really punchable because of all her smiling or his smiling, right? All the smiling. And a lot of people were very surprised by the way it upended their expectations about what they thought they would feel or experience. There was someone who described the female Trump as his Jewish aunt who would take care of him, even though he might not like his aunt. Someone else described her, uh, Trump, as the middle school principal who you don't like, but you know is doing good things for you. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> is it, like, There's so much to unpack here. I love... Like all the progressives went there in the audience, right? I mean, obviously they're all Hillary voters stuff and maybe Bernie supporters, you know, super progressive. They go to this performance and they're waiting. They want so badly for their liberal assumptions to be true. But instead they walk away saying, oh, now I understand why this happened. I understand how he won. Why the difference? So when we come to our, when we, it's the way we form conclusions. We form conclusions instantly. Mostly it's inspired by who's on our team, right? Who's our team, right? So I'm on the Democrat team. So I love Hillary. And then you have this, this irrational infatuation with Hillary. You love her no matter what, because she's on your team. And because Trump's on the other team, you have an irrational hatred for him, right? But this play, although an exact reenactment in every way, it was just different enough changing the genders where people, they went into it, yeah, they hate Trump, but they don't hate the woman playing Trump. I mean, they have no connection to her. And they love Hillary, but they have no connection to the guy playing Hillary. So it's just, I mean, it's just some guy. So they could, it was, it was like they took their biased glasses off, right? They were wearing these glasses throughout the entire election. I love Hillary. I hate Trump. Wearing it the whole election. And, but during this play, they were able to take it off, right? Take it off, and they were able to see reality beyond their preconceived blind hatred or infatuation, right? They, they put their irrational conclusions away for a second and they could see reality, right? And that's why the guy's like, he spoke in hummable lyrics. His technique is precise. Where in the past, they thought he was a buffoon. Now they can almost see the artistry in it, right? They, and we've talked throughout the, the whole campaign, we talked about how Trump talks. And how the left, again, thinks he's just an idiot buffoon going out there winging it. And he's not, right? There's actually a very specific type of rhetoric that Trump uses when he speaks. Um, and it's obviously super effective. And people, once they could put their, take their bias glasses off and they watched it, they got it. Like, oh, wow. And it hit them about how bad Hillary was. Because again, they love the, oh, I love Hillary. She's amazing. Blah, blah. They see it now. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's awful. One person said, I want to punch her in the face, right? She's really punchable. Think about that. That is a, a Hillary supporting progressive theater goer who's watching. Oh my gosh, I want to punch her. Or him, right? Hillary, I want to punch Hillary now. What is she hiding? Why is this actor playing her? Why is he smiling so much? What's he, what's he hiding here? <laughs> Which is what we've all said the whole time. It, it goes back to our untrustworthiness, right? Wow, I love that experiment. is so stinking interesting. We have um, the story about it on our Facebook page. You can search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. I want to take a break here. I want to play a clip of it. Um, the only clip we have is a clip from the rehearsal of it, but you get the, the point. And it's, 
you get the premise of it, but it's so interesting to listen to. I will do that next. Mike Slater show the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Later. So, I I, just, I can't. This like blows my mind. This whole thing. Uh, again, they did this play. They exact same thing about the debate. Except switch the genders of Trump and Hillary. I just love the people in the audience. For the first time, they understood what we've been saying. They saw reality. They saw that even as you know, man played Hillary. She's so untrustworthy and she's not likable and she has no messaging. And then Trump played by the woman. They could see, wow, she is actually likable and confident and has a message and a hook. (laughs) Crazy. So I want to play it. This is a little bit of the play. This is the rehearsals. Uh, It's like two minutes. Uh, First of all, it's see if you remember this part of the debate and pay particular attention to if you think the woman who's playing Donald Trump is being rude because that was one of the, uh, the th- part of the thesis of the director who put this together is that, oh, no way would a woman be able to pull, pull off how aggressive and angry uh, Trump was, right? But if a woman did that, she wouldn't get away with it. So really pay attention to if you think this woman is being overly aggressive and rude. All right, here it is. Enjoy. We are going to enforce the trade deals that we have, and we're going to hold people accountable. When I was Secretary of State, we actually increased American exports globally 30%. We increased them to China 50%. So I know how to really work to get new jobs and to get exports that help to create more new jobs. But you haven't done it in 30 years, in 26 years. Well, I have been a senator, and I have been a secretary of state, and I have done a lot. One of the worst trade deals to ever happen to the manufacturing industry. You go to England, you go to Ohio, Pennsylvania, you go anywhere you want, Secretary Gordon, and you will see devastation where manufacturers down 30, 40, sometimes 50%. NAFTA is the worst trade deal maybe ever signed anywhere, but certainly ever signed in this country. And now you want to approve Trans-Pacific Partnership. You were totally in favor of it. Then you heard what I was saying, how bad it is, and you said, I can't win that debate. But you know that if you did win, you would approve that, and that would be almost as bad as NAFTA. Well, Nothing will ever top NAFTA. That, that is just 
Not accurate. I uh, was against it once it was finally negotiated and the terms were laid out. I wrote about that. You called it the gold standard. I wrote about well, you I called it the gold standard of trade. And you know what? You said it's the finest deal you've ever seen. No. Then you heard what I was saying, and all of a sudden you were against it. Well, well I know you live in your own reality, Brenda, but yeah. that is not the facts. The facts are, I did say I hoped it would be a good deal, but when it was negotiated, not. which I was not responsible for, I concluded it wasn't. I wrote about that in my so book is it before Obama's you even Is it President announced. Obama's fault? Look, there are different... Secretary, there, is it President Obama's there fault? Are because he's pushing it. There are different views about what's good for our country, our economy, our leadership in the world. That's why we have to look at how we can get the economy going again. That's why I said new jobs with rising incomes, investments, not in more tax cuts that would add $5 trillion to the debt. But, but you in have no plan. Oh, I do. Secretary, in fact, no I have plan. written a book about it. It's called Stronger yeah. Together. You can pick it up tomorrow at a bookstore or an airport near you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's terrible. Terrible. Wow. And and it's so funny because you know you knew she was terrible, but you have these progressives who loved her who heard that, which was exactly as she did it. Exactly. And you heard progressives heard that and be like, wow, she's awful. And they had that realization. And that's why the head was in the hands, like, oh my gosh, what did we do? Amazing. Um let me quote one more thing from the director. Uh she says, people across the board were surprised. Uh, that their expectations about what they were going to experience were upended. Many were shocked to find they couldn't seem to find in the male actor what they had admired in Hillary Clinton. Or that the the female actress playing Trump, uh, her clever tactics seemed to shine in moments where they'd remember Donald Trump flailing or lashing out. Wow, that's amazing. So there's something Trump says, and they're back there in the debate, and and those people who hate Trump, they're like, oh, he's he's flailing, he's panicking, he's lashing out, and then they hear the female do it, the actress, and they're like, he's shining. It wasn't even like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought. It's, oh, that was great. <laughs> and then again, the the people who love Hillary uh, at the end wanted to punch her in the face. <laughs> Um, I was surprised by how critical, this is the director, how critical I was seeing Clinton on a man's body. And also by the fact that I didn't find Trump's behavior on a woman to be off-putting at all. I remember turning to Maria, like the co-director or whatever, at one point in my rehearsals and saying, I kind of want to have a beer with her. The majority of my extended family voted for Trump. In some ways, I developed empathy for people who voted for him by doing this project. Not what I was expecting. I expected it to make me more angry at them, but it gave me an understanding of what they might have heard or experienced when he spoke. Wow. All right. So that is, uh, I think that's the best example, and we are going to quote that forever. Uh, I think that is the best example I've seen of the lens that we put up, that we filter everything through. Everything. If you went into that debate, the actual debate as a feminist who thinks Trump's a bigot and Hillary's the second coming, there is nothing, there's nothing that would have changed that for you. Nothing. She could do no wrong and he could do no good. But flip the genders, which is really, it's just a way of putting your guard down, right? It's a way of, of putting your lens down, right? And looking at the debate for what it really was. And you say, oh, wow. 
like totally different than what I expected. I think that's incredible. Um, there's one last thing that I want to do when we get back about this. And then I want to share a story of Napoleon, which actually fits in pretty nice. So we talk a lot about body language on the show. Uh, because most of communication is not what you say, it's how you say it, and it's also the body language you have. So the next thing that this, the people who put this on, this play, the next thing they're going to they're gonna do is to videotape it, the actors, with exactly the same, uh, well, let me quote, um, my colleague from this other school is especially interested in nonverbal cues, all the unconscious information that gets thrown at us based on physicality, tone of voice, and gesture, but also camera angles, shot length, and size of the lens, so that we can start to get at how all of these nonverbal elements, which are undetectable in real time, contribute to the message that we receive when we watch these things. This has really emerged for us as a tool that could be quite powerful, and I would love for people beyond the liberal academic audience to get to experience it. Yeah, yeah, we, we had a conservative non-academic audience have been analyzing this body language for two years. Welcome to the party. But um, So they're going to do a thing where they have the actual debate and the actors playing it at the same time, like on a video screen. And you can kind of see how you interpret each of them uh, differently. But body language is so important. By far, what most of what we interpret is body language. And we've said from the jump and all the debates, and you remember, if you really want to know who won the debate? Watch it on mute. Like, how can that be? Watch it on mute. I want to tell a story about the importance of body language. We'll do that coming up next. And then we got a fun Napoleon story, which ties into this all nice as our exclamation point. Thanks for being here. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On The Blaze Radio Network. Later on the Blaze Radio Network. So, uh, just to go back to the debate world, uh, we, we said from the jump, if you really want to see who won the debate, then you got to watch it on mute. And it's so funny because it's all about body language. It's so counter to everything we've been you know, led to believe about communication. We think it's so important what we say. It's not. It's the tone. It's how you say it, and it's that your body language when you say it. So we, I think we think, I think we give too much importance to what is said, and what what you're saying is obviously important, right? I'm not saying it's not. It doesn't matter, but um, I think we we pay so much importance to what is said because we have an overinflated sense of our own rationality. <laughs> Right? We think we're so smart. We think we're so logical uh, that, that we can uh, you know, watch people interact in a debate, but we're only going to pay attention to the words they say because that's, uh, that's, I'm smart and I own, I'm, I'm rational. I'm going to listen and I'm going to pay attention that way. Most of what our brain is interpreting, though, is body language. All right? So we don't even necessarily know it, but it's what influences our ultimate opinion more than anything. So and over the decade, uh, over the decades, over the uh, the debates, we've proven this a million times. But I want to give you another example of the power of this. So, researchers did an experiment 
where they got some uh, some people to attach about a dozen or so lights, little mini lights, to key parts of their of their body. So they put a, a light on their uh, shoulder and on their elbow and their hand and their hip and their knee and their foot, right, and their head, the top of their head, right. So about a dozen or so lights on these different parts of uh, of their body, and then. Uh, Turn the lights off, turn the lights on, and have the person stand there, and then walk around, and move around, and then dance, right? So they had a bunch of people do these videos where they're lit up like that. Then they'd have people watch these video clips. Now, at first, the person's just standing still. So the per- And the person has no idea like what they're looking at. They're like, oh, it's just a dark, dark, dark screen uh, with a couple lights standing there. So the lights are just like random dots. Doesn't even. Then the actors would start to move around, and people are like, "Oh, people!" I, I, I get. It. Now the question is, how much can that person watching this tell about the person in the video, just by the moving lights? Remember, it's pitch black. All they see are lights. They don't see faces. They don't see hair. They don't see the clothes they're wearing. It's just dark with lights, right? A couple lights. Just little, like, little tiny Christmas lights, right? The people the, who watching the video, they could tell the person's gender just based on the lights. That's it. They could tell their gender. Uh, when dancers were the people, you know, put the lights on them, and they, they, you know, dance as if you're sad or dance happy, dance angry. The people watching the video could determine the emotions that were being portrayed. And in some cases, what they did is they would have, uh, like, let's say they'd have your brother dress up with the lights and you'd be watching it and they'd say, who does this, who does this person remind you of? And people could say, my brother, <laughs> they'd be like, huh? They could tell who the person was by the gate of their walk, right? So this is so crazy. When you, all the people you know, all the people you work with, describe them, right? And everyone would describe their hair color, right? Things like that. Height, whatever. But your brain also is analyzing how they walk to the point where if the person was walking in the dark and just had these lights on, you can be like, oh, there's Charlie. We don't know that we know that. Right, but our brains file away that information the way that someone walks. And our brains can tell who that person is. That's crazy. This is the power of what we see and how it's far more powerful than what we hear. And this is why Trump's power moves during the debate were so important. You know, people mocked Trump uh, it was the second debate when they were walking around, right? The town hall debate. Uh, they weren't just behind the podium. People mocked Trump for, and we called you know, Trump the, the warrior alpha male from the beginning. Uh, people mocked Trump for the way he walked around, the way he stood behind Hillary. You think that was, that was by accident? <laughs> he was always in the camera angle, luring over her. Uh, that was all power. That was all power moves. And people knew that. They watched, they saw, they could see it. 
And deep down, that said leadership. It said strength. It said power. And that's what people were voting for with Trump. Really interesting. All right, we'll take a break here. Uh, I'll come back with a little story about uh, Napoleon that I think can tie this together uh, nicely. We'll do that next. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. We'll continue in a moment on The Blaze Radio Network. Part of the next generation of talk radio. This is Mike Slater. Funny. Uh, so I'm going to bring this all back together, I promise, but I want to share two stories real quick. Um, the women's strike or whatever that was. So that the, the wife of the prime minister of Canada posted a picture on her Instagram account uh, that is uh, getting a bunch of fake virtue signaling outrage against her. So it's a picture of the two of them holding hands and gazing lovingly into each other's eyes. And she wrote this. She said, are you ready to ignite change? By the way, if you ever read that, just stop reading. There's no, (laughs) nothing productive follows this. That is so super blowhardy. Are you ready to ignite change? This week, as we mark International Women's Day, let's celebrate the boys and men in our lives who encourage us to be who we truly are, who treat girls and women with respect and who aren't afraid to speak up in front of others. Take a picture holding hands with your male ally, and share it on social media with the hashtag tomorrow in hand. Together, we can create a movement that inspires more men to join the fight to build a better tomorrow with equality rights and opportunities for everyone because hashtag equality matters. I'll tell you, if my wife ever calls me her male ally, that is, uh, we have to have a chat about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so super again, meaningless and, and blowhardy. Um, put a bunch of fake outrage about it. I'm not outraged by it. It's stupid. Uh, here's the first comment. I'll just read this one so you get the idea. Like, OMG, if I hold my nice boy's hand, maybe the rapists and pimps and frat boys and abusers and harassers will learn to be nice so they can hold my hand too. Real change comes through policy and education of how much women matter. Real change comes through protest and standing with other women. Stop silencing women. Another one says, I don't know if you can ever come back from this publicity fail in the eyes of young women in Canada. OMG. Again. Okay, so that's story number one. Remember that one. We'll get back to it. Another story. Ben Carson, the other day, you heard this one. He said, um, he was talking at the department of uh, whatever he is, housing and urban development. And he said, uh, you know, there's, there's immigrants who came at the bottom of slave ships. I got the quote here, actually. Uh, There are other immigrants who came at the bottom of slave ships who worked even longer, even harder for less. But they too had a dream that one day their sons, daughters, grandsons, blah, 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 might pursue prosperity and happiness in this land. And people flipped, totally flipped out. Oh, what a disgrace. Trevor Noah did a segment on it. Ooh, Samuel L. Jackson tweeted out a couple cuss words and everyone just piled on. This was, I don't know, like Monday or something. Less than 24 hours later, the Federalist website, federalist.com, put out a list of the 11 times 11 times that Barack Obama referred to slaves as immigrants. 11. Like this one. Certainly, it wasn't easy for those of African heritage who had not come here voluntarily and yet in their own way were immigrants themselves. 
There was discrimination and hardship and poverty. But like you, they no doubt found inspiration in all those who had come before them. And they were able to muster faith that here in America, they might build a better life and give the children something more, their children something more. Like, I feel like if you criticize Ben Carson for anything for what he said in his speech, it would be for plagiarizing President Obama. Like that, That's the same sentiment. Slaves came over as immigrants, worked, had a horrible life, dreamed for more for their children. I mean, that's not that that's a super original thought, but that's kind of the point. That was Obama in 2015, by the way. So the writer from The Federalist, he says that he has a 24-hour rule for uh, shootings and other mass casualty events, right? Because you get a, you get a real, like everyone's freaking out. You get a lot of speculation and everyone gets really sloppy in the media. Just got to be the first. So he has a 24-hour rule when it comes to anything any, like, like reporting beyond just the very basics that we do know. And certainly on any... Uh, like conclusions, like analysis of it, right? 24 hours, just wait 24 hours until we know much more. And then we can have a real conversation. So he says he's starting a 24 hour rule for Trump related news too. Because how many times does the outrage media just need to, to, to just tweet stuff out and write articles and then come back and be like, ah, oh, never mind. My all time favorite was, it was, I think it was inauguration day when the reporter from time magazine, so this isn't just some hack this is time magazine says, Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Donald Trump eliminated the bust of Martin Luther King Jr. from the White House. Got rid of the bust of MLK Jr. And then a couple hours later, he's like, ah, never mind. Someone was just standing in front of it. I didn't see it. (laughs) What? How could you have jumped to that conclusion? That's amazing. So what's the connection here? So you have this uh, feminist outrage at the, uh, just the vapidness from the prime minister's wife, but still outraged at her nonetheless. And then you have people breathlessly outraged over something Ben Carson said when Barack Obama said the exact same thing. So what does all this have in common? It comes from, and again, this is my favorite term. You're going to hear this a lot. It comes from people who are in total free fall. Trump said that about Whoopi Goldberg a couple of years ago. She's in total free fall. I love that imagery. These, this outrage comes from people completely out of control. Totally out of control. Their emotions rule their behavior their emotions rule over them i came across this quote from napoleon bonaparte i almost said dynamite napoleon bonaparte he said the first quality of a general in chief is to have a cool head which receives exact impressions of things which never gets heated which never allows itself to be dazzled or intoxicated by good news or bad news, right? So, so if you're in the media, whoever, keep a cool head. You, you look at the exact impressions of things, reality. You never get heated. You never lose yourself. You never allow yourself to be dazzled or intoxicated by anything. You stay calm. The successive simultaneous sensations, which he receives in the course of a day, must be classified like in his brain and must occupy the correct places they merit to fill because common sense and reason are the result of the comparison of a number of sensations, each equally well considered, right? So it's, listen, you're going to get a bunch of stuff at you all the time. And in our 24 media news cycle, right? You're just constantly bombarded with information, a successive simultaneous sensations, right? You're going to get it all day long. 
So you got to be able to have a clear head so you can look at that and classify it in the right place in your brain that it deserves to be in and nothing more. Right? Common sense and reason are the result of the comparison of a number of sensations equally well considered. So you look at it, you're like, okay, what's worth getting outraged about? What's not? Last part. There are certain men who, on account of their moral and physical constitution, paint mental pictures out of everything. All right? We say that all the time about making pictures in our brain. However exalted by their reason, their will, their courage, and whatever good qualities they may possess, nature has not fitted them to command armies and not to direct great operations of war, right? So we receive successive simultaneous sensations in every aspect of our life, our marriage, parenting, work, right? Just stuff coming at you, politics, bombarded with sensations. And Napoleon says each of these have to occupy the correct places in our brain. And some people can't do this. And no matter how good of people they are, they're just not fit to do important things. You can't get heated. You can't get heated, dazzled, intoxicated by everything all the time. Got to keep a cool head. You got to look at the exact impression of things. The media doesn't receive the exact impression of things. People reading the prime minister's wife's tweets and Ben Carson's comments they're not looking at the exact impression of things. They're looking to be intoxicated by rage. And people who do that, who can't remain calm and can't classify things properly, they're not fit to command armies. They're not fit to report the news. They're not fit to do anything of influence. So rid this from your life. Rid people who are not fit to do these things. Because then they're just going to intoxicate you and they're going to dowsy you and they're going to... That's, that's why I like the total freefall imagery because people who are in total freefall, they try to grab onto something. And if that something's you, they're going to drag you down. So I was a lifeguard growing up. Lifeguard, you're taught if someone's drowning, you don't just go get them uh, without something like a flotation device. Because if someone's frantic and you go and you get near them, they're going to drown you. They're desperate, they're frantic, and they will pull you under and they will never let you go and you will die. Right, So that's the media and everyone, all these politicians, everyone, they're drowning right now. And if you get close to them, they're going to pull you down with them. So don't. Stay here near the blaze, right, where cooler heads can prevail. 1-888-933-93. Mike Slater, so the blaze. Radio Network, spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network.